Hi friends, my name is Kevin. This is the Via Media Podcast, Episode 2, Complicate Your Stories. You're listening to the sound of a butterfly flapping its wings. And this is the sound of a tornado ripping through a neighborhood. How these two phenomena relate is one of the most significant questions in modern physics and has been considered the most dramatic shift in scientific thinking about nature since Isaac Newton. This discovered dynamic upended previous assumptions about our universe and has influenced virtually every area of scientific inquiry in physics, biology, and sociology. It has now been made clear to us that there are characteristics of this world in which we live that we have constantly struggled against but intentionally ignored. However, if we could honestly embrace the truth of this reality, it could transform how we live and behave. And to understand how, we start with a gentleman by the name of Edward Lorenz, a meteorologist at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. In the winter of 1961, Edward was running some weather simulations on his computer, the Royal McBee LGP-30. This one that you're listening to is from 1958 and is located in the Museum of the Computer Science Faculty of the University of Stuttgart, Germany. The idea behind his research is that if we could accurately understand and calculate the various factors of humidity, temperature, atmospheric pressure, and others, we could predict what kind of weather we would get in the near and even possibly distant future. After printing his first run of the calculations, he wanted to examine a particular section at greater length. So he typed in the numbers again from the previous printout and ran that section a second time. Upon returning to his computer, he discovered a surprising result. The outcome of the second run was drastically different from the first run, even though the numbers he typed in were identical to the previous run's printout. At first he thought it was some sort of computer malfunction, but he eventually figured out that while he had entered in the initial values correctly, he had not entered them in accurately. Because while the computer was using numbers that were valued out to the sixth decimal place, the printout, in order to save space, was only to the third decimal place. And so, by typing in the numbers from the first run's printout, Edward was essentially rounding the numbers to the nearest thousandth, which made the ten thousandth and hundred thousandth decimal values slightly different. And it was that extremely tiny change in value that led to significantly different ending results and a revolution in our modern scientific understanding. Now, the philosophy of science at that time, and still very much true today, was advancing on a couple of assumptions. The first is that the universe in which we live and the physical systems within that universe could be predicted. Years of scientific endeavors had given rise to a view of a deterministic universe, that is, a world governed by physical laws and particles and systems operating by those laws. Pierre-Simon Laplace in 1814 published an articulation of this idea, which was known as causal determinism suggesting that, theoretically, by knowing the factors of each material part of our world, 
we could in essence predict the future based upon a precise mathematical calculation of all those factors. The kinds of calculation that Edward Lorenz was doing when it came to weather. Conversely, we could theoretically reverse the clock and calculate backwards from current measurements and determine the values of the original conditions all the way back to the beginning. This idea is now popularly known as Laplace's demon. Named so because Laplace's original name of a vast intellect was too boring for his contemporaries, and so they changed it to something more sexy and sinister. And the intuitive assumption that went with this view is that minor differences in the system would result in minor differences in outcome. What this accidental discovery by Lorenz did was to upend those assumptions and disrupt what was previously understood to be a clockwork universe. The view we now have and understand is that while the universe does operate on physical laws, it is impossible to predict the outcome of events due to the exponentially large number of components and the vast number of variables of each of those components. Even down to the smallest aspects of our universe, we speak about probabilities, not absolute calculations. What this means for our everyday experience is that over time, very small changes or fluctuations in complex systems can produce very large differences and radically different end results in the overall effect of a system's behavior. Small errors can lead to large errors and unpredictability and irregularity is the truth of the matter. The name given to this understanding is chaos theory. The idea that small changes and differences in the dynamics of complex systems can be radically transformed into massive differences over time. In the words of Edward Lorenz, chaos is when the present determines the future, but the approximate present does not approximately determine the future. Lorenz published his work in 1963 and on December 29, 1972, at the American Association for the Advancement of Science's 139th meeting, Edward Lorenz presented his paper entitled Predictability, Does the Flap of a Butterfly's Wings in Brazil Set Off a Tornado in Texas? giving rise to the phrase, the butterfly effect, the now popular term for chaos theory. Virtually every religious tradition in the world has a chaos theory at its core foundation. There are chaos creatures in mythologies, chaotic relationships in the pantheons, and chaotic primeval material elements as in the Genesis story. We could say that for thousands of years, humans have understood chaos to be the first fundamental principle of existence. And religious stories, mythologies, laws, and commandments were an attempt to overcome and defeat that chaos in human affairs, so that in human systems, there could be order. And the process by which we endeavored to defeat chaos was a combination of mythologies and technologies. So, for example, in one Mesopotamian story, Enuma Elish, the primordial chaos sea creature Tiamat is slain by Marduk, establishing him as the king, the ruler. His defeat of Tiamat was evidence of his ability to establish proper order in society. And in one of the most profound transitions in human history, we developed agriculture, the taming of the water, soil, and seed systems of the physical world. 
Both of these human expressions stem from a deep insecurity and uncertainty about the chaotic world in which we live and a yearning for what we call order, a sense of familiarity and ultimately predictability. And it worked. Life is better when we can order, that is, predict our world. We are safer knowing how cars are going to function at intersections through differently colored lights, how teeth will respond to braces, how electricity will be safe by the right kind of wiring, and how computers and electromagnetic energy passing through the atmosphere will reproduce my words so that you can experience this audio broadcast with fidelity. And when it comes to social systems, we believe we can predict our safety, our security, and our identities, our sense of purpose and meaning through the stories we tell and the institutions we build. National anthems, constitutions, churches, mosques, synagogues, sacred texts, political parties, and legislations, they are all imbued with the belief and philosophy that we are establishing order and fighting against the chaos. All persons having business before the Honorable, the Supreme Court of the United States. But the butterfly effect challenges those assumptions. If our physical systems are complicated and unpredictable, and we cannot truly know or understand with precision future events or past causes because we live in chaotic systems, how much more is that true when it comes to our human systems, our societies, our governments, and our relationships? Just like Edward Lorenz rounding the numbers to the nearest thousandth and ignoring the next three decimal spaces and running the calculations, our stories are also rounded to the nearest ethical principle, law, or metaphysical virtue. They are accurate to a point, but ultimately they are intrinsically prone to error. To achieve order, we fundamentally had to simplify our perceptions and our beliefs about the truth of the world. And according to chaos theory, these small, minor differences in our technological and narrative calculations can have massive implications in real-world outcomes. And so, if we only believe in the simplified stories as the truth of the matter, we will dismiss and disregard other phenomena that are also true and real. Let's consider the tweaks that technologists apply to social media. It is now widely understood that very small changes to these digital platforms, which are themselves chaotic systems, have massively large influences on our world. Brightly colored red notification numbers or animated thumbs up and of course the algorithms driving content prioritization can radically alter the psychological profile of young populations, the beliefs of large groups, and even political outcomes. These small changes and tweaks to content management in our digital worlds reap massively large effects in the real world. And to be clear, this is not because the social media companies are the cause. It is because social media is a complex, chaotic system with large quantities of factors that must be taken into consideration. And so when you hear a corporate executive speak in utopian terms about the good that these platforms are going to do in the world, the problem is not that the story is wrong. 
The problem is that the story is oversimplified, dismissing the truth of the chaotic system that is social media. Let's consider our conceptions of sex and gender. One version of the story is that there are men and there are women, and there are biological factors that determine into which of those two categories a human will develop. According to this story, these two categories are immutable, and any socially constructed blurring of those two lines is a violation of fundamental facts. In some versions of this story, men should be the professionals, the decision makers, and women are to be the nurturers, the primary caretakers of the children, and the subordinate support of the family. Another story that is told is that gender is simply a social construct that there are no differences between what we call men and women, and that all gender categories are applied concepts of power and oppression, putting men at the top of the hierarchy and women at the bottom as a means to control and to dominate. Again, neither of these stories is intrinsically wrong. The problem is that they are too simple and fail to take into consideration other truths and dynamics of the complicated, chaotic reality in which we live. Categories such as men and women can be helpful and do order society in some ways, but those categories are incomplete and not absolute. The complex dynamics of human sexuality and gender identity are influenced by biology and society, genetics and environment. And there's a wide spectrum of human expressions in composition, orientation, persuasion, and preference that emerge out of the complex mixture of a myriad of factors. Telling a simplified story dismisses and deludes us from the greater reality that is sexuality and gender. Now, the reason why we are not calling these stories wrong is because making a value judgment first and foremost is also an oversimplified story that approximates the truth of the matter. All constructs for some are helpful and work. What we're simply pointing out is that they cannot work for all. And when faced with reality, they will eventually break down. Simplicity cannot survive reality, which is why there is an ebb and flow through history of humanity making various revisions of our expressions of order. But for those of us who are curious enough about our world and are hopeful enough to make our world a better place for all, we are actively and willfully disrupting these narratives because we know that the truth is far more intricate than we often believe. And so, we are embracing the value of complicating our stories. Let's dream about what could come about if we complicated our stories in politics. The common language of red states and blue states, conservative versus liberal, Republican versus Democrat, right versus left, are, again, workable categories that help us to order our world. But like all stories, they are approximations. The truth of the matter is far more complicated, and if we could just simply expand our understanding to include social support with fiscal conservatism, strong defense with generous and kind benevolence, privacy and security, then 
could we create systems of governance that have a greater fidelity to the complicated world in which we live and achieve better results. This can go on and on with topics like homelessness, abortion, the role of religion in the course of history, the progress of science, our understanding of human intelligence, the classification of mental illnesses, and countless other areas of human engagement. It is tremendously understandable why we hold to our simple stories. Chaos is a beast that we want to so desperately tame. But the paradox of our storytelling is that by being deeply committed to the stories we tell, we are at the same time blinding ourselves from other truths, other aspects of reality. The story is ordered, but it is also exclusive. The story's simplicity is what makes it work. It is also what makes it false. Adding to this already challenging idea is that the more we tell these simplified stories, and the more we live by them, the more we create an oversimplified world. And the more we create an oversimplified world, those who do not fit into our narratives continue to find themselves marginalized and ostracized from the communities that we build. And when that happens, oversimplification becomes an injustice and a diminishment of our full humanity. It's an exchange of the greater and more profound realities and truths for a delusion. And this is what leads to fragmentation, polarization, and a breakdown of our social and civic institutions. The solution that so many of us see to the problems plaguing our polarized and divided society is to tell opposing stories and to remedy the wrong story with the right story. According to chaos theory, understanding some stories to be wrong and others to be right is itself a simplified approximation of the truth. In a complex system, the solution is not to tell other simplified stories just with different calculations. The solution is to complicate our stories and to recognize there are far more factors of reality that we ought to take into consideration when making our calculations about what is right and wrong, true and false, good and bad, beneficial and detrimental. For those familiar with the teachings and philosophy of Jesus in the Christian religion, you'll find this principle to be familiar. In one passage in John chapter 8, the text describes a woman caught in adultery. And as religious people do, they were attempting to trap Jesus into a simplified version of the story. The law states clearly that capital punishment is the response to this particular sin. Yet Jesus appeared to be teaching things contrary to the laws that have held this community together. Throwing the woman down in front of him, they say to Jesus, Teacher, this woman, this was, caught woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. In our law, Moses commanded that such a woman must be stoned to death. Jesus bends down to write in the ground and says these now famous words. Whichever one of you has committed no sin may throw the first stone at her. This is brilliant because it immediately complicates the story. Sure, the law exists, and it keeps order. 
And sure, some people break that law. But here's where it gets complicated. Don't we all? And if we are to treat this person according to our laws, should we not apply that same treatment to everyone? And if we ourselves could ever claim to be perfect, well, that in and of itself is a transgression of the fundamental reason why we even have laws, is it not? And if we are not willing to hoist the repercussions of our laws upon ourselves, what gives us the right to do so to others with such severity? This kind of complication of stories happens throughout Jesus' life. In the next passage, there is a story of a man born blind. The religious elites want to know who sinned, this man or his parents. Jesus replies, neither. He then complicates the story by adding future imaginative possibility to the historical causal recounting of the accusers, saying that this blindness will demonstrate God's power. Master, who did sin? This man or his parents said he was born blind. Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. In another famous passage, Jesus is confronted with a Roman coin and inquired about paying tribute to Caesar and whether it is their legal obligation to do so. Jesus' reply there is to give to God what is God's and Caesar what is Caesar's. Part of the significant challenge of Christianity today is that while we are still looking for simplified stories, the founder of Christianity was complicating them and adding context, ambiguity, and even at times contradiction as was his religious tradition. But what is so life-giving is that the complication was an inclusion of others who were left out by the oversimplified stories that the religious elites were telling. And by first complicating the story, he could then help move them and others toward a better understanding of what role and place religion and religious convictions should have in one's life and in our society. On April 14, 2020, right as we were all immersed in the pandemic lockdown, I had a conversation with my friend and ministry colleague, Siddhi Sundar, who has thought deeply about the stories we tell. And I asked her, what makes for a bad story? Her reflections are profoundly insightful. I think that what makes a bad story is a story that convinces itself and everybody else that it is the only story about that thing. Because if you look at, right, like I wish that there was a universe in which um, the, the media today, whether I went to Fox or I went to CNN, would tell me here's one version of the story and here's three or four other versions of the story. And I think th this unidimensional storytelling is what contributes to a lot of our fatigue. It's this idea that anyone has that ownership or cap or mo monopoly over what the what the truth is and so when we stifle that or we expect one thing to be the absolute truth um, that's when we get into trouble because not only are we limiting ourselves to the universe of other possibilities that exist out there we're also convincing ourselves of something that isn't the full picture and the thing that i was reflecting on here that just blows my mind is if you go to the Bible, our biblical editors actively made contradicting passages and chapters and even phrases like right after each other that 
either are mismatched or completely contradict each other, and they didn't have an issue with it. They embraced it. How progressive for that time that there was this radical acceptance of the fact that uh, it is okay to have multi-dimensional stories told by different people that mean different things that don't always form that perfect puzzle piece in our heads. And if only uh, our media writers today were a little closer to the way that our biblical editors used to think, I feel like we would have a more kind of equitable storytelling universe, if, if that makes any sense. And so, dear friends, we live in a chaotic system. Our physics and our spirituality say so. Yet, we live by stories that simplify the complexities because the chaos is just too much. But what if extending our perceptions and storytelling a bit further into the chaos could actually help us understand better and deeper and more accurately the truth of the matter? What if we could simply expand our conscious awareness of the complexities of life a bit more and open our minds to other possible conceptions? Maybe then we could have a more equitable storytelling universe. But we must also recognize that as we dive a little deeper into the chaos, bigger and more complex questions will arise. What those questions are and how we embrace them is a critical part of this storytelling journey. That's next on the Via Media Podcast. This podcast is a project of Via Media. We are a not-for-profit media and community organization dedicated to inspiring a curious and hopeful humanity. Our work is focused on the stories by which we live, the communities with whom we belong, and the purposes to which we contribute. We are community and donor supported and would love to have you join us. Please visit www.viamedia.center.